Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another DMN one-on-one. -on -one. And today we're going to get some thought leadership about the state of digital advertising from Wes McLagan, who's SVP of Marketing at Marin Software. Welcome, Wes. Thank you. Good to be here. Great. And you're just in from San Francisco. I hear you got offices all over. We do. Um, we've got offices uh, all over the U.S. and globally. We're a platform that helps advertisers connect their uh, digital marketing uh, across so search and social, so helping manage your Google, Bing, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram ads, all in one place. Okay, and we're going to take a deep dive into digital advertising. Um, Marin has just released the State of Digital Advertising 2018 report, and I I've been looking at some of the findings, and some of them, I guess, are not a surprise. Um, social is very important. So search and social are the fastest growing channels. Did any of that come as a surprise to you? No real surprise. Um, looking at search and social coming together has been our focus for the last couple of years. And we actually just launched last week our new platform, Marin One, which was designed from the ground up to address this need. We saw this coming a couple of years ago. And now with as much time that uh, our users are spending uh, on across Google and Facebook properties every day, you know, it's yeah. upwards of seventy to eighty percent of time spent online is on one of those two properties, including LinkedIn and Messenger and, and all that. And so, if you're as a marketer not thinking about that seamless customer journey traversing back and forth between search and social, you're missing out on a huge opportunity for a consistent experience and for maximizing your results. So it's it's no surprise to us that marketers are are thinking about that. Um, what was a little bit surprising, I guess, was if you look at uh, in the report, we ask about share of budget. And, mm -hmm. you know, social was the, the channel that was most cited as being used by advertisers ahead of search. Yeah. Um, but actually, they said that they're spending a little bit more on social than on search, which isn't quite the case. You know, Google's clearly much bigger than, than Facebook. But I think it shows the, the share of mind that social has. And, and that's, you know, the top concern that marketers have. And Later in the study, we, we do talk about um, you know what are, the, what are the challenges they're facing, and one of them is how do you bring search and social together right. and, and figure that out effectively. Okay. Now, should we just uh, dismiss display advertising for consideration? Is it really just the cheap failing relation of, of these other things? What we see is that Google and Facebook are just stealing all the growth there. Right. Um, you know, social advertising inherently is display. Yeah. And so I think it's a, a little bit of an outdated... You know, distinction to okay. divide between the two of those. You know, what, what you're asking about, I think, is you know the traditional programmatic display advertising sure. or you know premium buys that, that people are having on on certain sites. That's not going to go away. But you know, Google and Facebook are really able to deliver so much more, especially in a world where you've got data privacy concerns. It's a lot. You know, they've got logged in users that are refreshing all the time. And so Google and Facebook are going to be able to offer marketers a much richer targeting set of targeting options than yes. those traditional display providers are. And so that's why our focus has really been on search and social. And then, of course, you've got Amazon, which is this third pillar that's going to be yeah. coming up. Uh, they'll probably spend some time on. Yeah, I want to come back and talk about that. But just digging, digging a bit deeper, I suppose we've got the distinction between these first-party logged-on audiences that you're talking about, when it comes to traditional display advertising, the whole programmatic field, that's, a lot of that is based on the third-party data. And there are questions. I'm hearing people all the time saying it's not worth spending the money on that third-party data. It's so unreliable. Is that part of what's happening? Yeah, we just see that you know, based on the reach that Google and Facebook have, 
you know, there's so much more data that they're offering. And then um, also being able to connect it to your own data. So doing things yeah. like a custom, you know, custom audiences um, where you can you know, link your CRM data and target against that or target against lookalikes of that. Um, we just see that the need for that third-party data really diminishing on, on those two platforms. And I can relate that back to something you just mentioned in passing, which is data privacy, because GDPR, biggest effects in Europe, effects being felt in North America as well. That third-party data, the grabbing data from everywhere without people even knowing about it, that seems to be problematic in itself. Yeah, I think you know, in Europe it's much tougher, and I think in the U.S. its days are numbered as well. You see a lot of people pushing for similar privacy restrictions, um, privacy laws and, and protections for the, the consumer. So I think you know, thinking about how to operate in a world where you've got less access to that third-party data is, is how marketers should be focused going forward. Okay, now... Google and Facebook, um, I don't mean to suggest that in a legal sense they're monopolies, but we've almost got to inadvertently reach the stage where Facebook, along with Instagram, of course, and Google, you know, they're pushing towards being de facto monopolies in these two key areas of social and search. Is, is that a problem, or is it, is it good for, for advertisers that or whole audience in the same place? Well, I think you end up with, you know, right now we see it as a, a duopoly and emerging, you know, with Amazon coming up, uh, there's going to be three pillars that really matter. And for marketers, the biggest challenge is that those two operate as walled gardens. Mm -hmm. And they've got both got tremendous tools for managing your ads, executing your ads, and understanding what's going on, as long as you're talking within the context of their world and their data set. Yeah. And so one of the big gaps that, that we see is, you know, what is the influence, uh, not really being able to understand the influence of search on social. Um, and a big part of this is having impression level data right. that, you know, you can see because, you know, because social is inherently a visual medium, having, you know, understanding of what ads people were seeing, what video views did did they watch um, things like that? If you're not including that as part of the, the customer journey, then you're going to be missing out. And so tools like Google Analytics, which is great, just don't have access to that data. Um, at the other end of the spectrum, you've got you know the enterprise analytics tools, which are you know really long, intense projects to set up, and they're very powerful. But mm -hmm. you know you're talking six, twelve months implementations and six, seven figure uh, deals. There isn't a good way for a marketer to, to focus on those two channels and figure out the interaction, and that's kind of where what we're focused on solving in the market is is bringing those together. Okay, so make sure I understand what you mean. For example, somebody sees uh, a video, um, a, a brand video on Facebook, they watch it, they're interested, then they go off and do some Google searches, and they end up converting. You're not the challenges tying those things together. Absolutely. So if you're using publisher tracking, which is pretty common, um, what would happen in that case is they'd both take credit for the conversion. <laughs> and so you either have two approaches, you, yeah. you use the publisher tools and you double count, and then you have problems with your budget allocation decisions. Or if you're using a third-party system, uh, it may be able to, to deduplicate, but in that case it would likely just be giving credit to the uh, search and, and uh, the la which was the last touch, right. um, and not being able to connect back to those search the social impressions. Whereas, in fact, both are important. In the case exactly, out, both are yeah. important, and you know you can get really wrapped around the axle on you know what is the right model for your business and you know data driven attribution. But all of that is going to be challenged if you don't start with the right data. 
And so we think that marketers should be focused on making sure that they have the right and complete data set. Okay. And Amazon uh, coming into the race, I admit, I've not been tracking this. So what is Amazon doing in this space? Amazon um, has a you know multi-billion dollar advertising business <laughs> right now. Um, and it's something I've, I've seen estimates in the as high as two billion dollars alone in the first quarter, which seems seems pretty amazing. But um, you know, definitely gonna, they're they're on a run rate for a, a few billion dollars in ad revenue this year. And what that's generated from is their position in the buying funnel. You know, the latest Merrymaker Internet Trend Survey um, showed almost fifty percent of product searches beginning on Amazon. Right. So you know, if you're if you're at the the Point where you're ready to make that purchase, you're not going to Google. You're going to Amazon to try and, and search for that. And even if you're looking somewhere else, you know you'll look back on Amazon, and you'll um, you know do some research, whether it's reading reviews or checking the price. Yeah. And so what Amazon has has been slowly building up. It's it's been around for a few years now, but it's getting much more prominent. Is uh, ads that are really connected to those searches that users are doing. And there's a couple of types. Um, there's the uh, headline search ads which are show up at the top of the page. So when you search for something, there's a search result that is you know, big branding opportunity, although it links to individual products, it lets you be really prominent on the page. And then the second, um, second type of ads is uh, sponsored product ads. And these are the ones that look just like the organic results on that search page. Right. And to a casual user, you wouldn't really notice the difference. It's, it's the exact same you know, display and picture and everything that, that you would see on a normal uh, Amazon result that just has a sponsored link next to it. Okay. And what's interesting about this and, and what brands need to think about with respect to Amazon is there's a huge opportunity to, you know, if, if for brands to come in and, and ch- you know, challenge your brand and try and do some conquesting here. And so you may search for, you know, a printer, a certain brand of printer, and a different brand is going to show up in that top spot or in that headline search ad. And so brands need to, you know, there's opportunity for broader, um, you know, higher in the funnel terms. Uh, you know, I need a new printer, I need right. a, a laser printer. But even if you're looking at your specific brand terms, you need to defend that space. Otherwise, you're going to be opening the door for your competitors to come in. And, you know, I think there's an, some, an analogy to, um, you know, what search advertising is like, where people have always asked, hey, should I be paying for my brand terms uh, with, you know, if, if I'm the top organic result, does it make sense for me to be there? Well, in a lot of cases, a lot of the, the studies that we've seen, the answer to that is yes, because, you know, you're pushing your competitors further down the page. Right. Um, you're not opening the door for them to come in and, you know, come in and, and steal the customer uh, or that, that, that query uh, from your, your organic result. Okay. And just um, to really clarify for, for anyone who hasn't been tracking uh, Amazon's activity here. Amazon is actually selling the ads themselves. Yeah, so they've got a yeah. they've got a couple of approaches. There's there's two sides to their business. The okay. one that we're focused on, it has both a self service offering, so you can log in, and whether you're a um, a vendor or a seller, there's two different categories of of how you're selling to Amazon. Yeah. Um, 
there's you can both both vendors and sellers can access these ads. Um, so you can go in and handle it, you know, self serve and just like you would in AdWords or in Facebook, okay. create yep. these ads. Um, we they also have an API, so we've built our solution on top of their API, and the whole value proposition that Marin provides is to you know give you one place where you can come in and, and man it, measure, manage, and optimize your mm-hmm. your spend. So rather than having to log into Facebook, Google, and yeah. and uh, Amazon separately, you do it in one place. Okay. Um, but advertisers can can do both and, and manage it themselves. And then the other side of the business that we don't play in is more traditional display advertising. Okay. And so Amazon has, you know, on the side of the page, it may be an ad for you know Comcast or just general you know, branding opportunity that that are generally not super related to the search that you're doing. They're just using their audience and letting advertisers target for that. It's intriguing because it reminds me of you just go back not too long, uh, just a, a few years, and nobody kind of noticed Amazon was becoming one of the biggest cloud players. Mm-hmm. Amazon does tend to sneak into these things quietly and then make a big impact. Yeah, absolutely. And, th- and they've got two other... Um, you know, building portions of their ad business. The voice is obviously yes. part of that. I'll come back to that. But the other is they're building their own, um, the, the name is escaping me, but it's it's the competitor to AdSense, essentially. So okay. how can they, uh, they you know, enable advertisers to, excuse me, publishers, hmm. to display advertising on their site powered by Amazon. I see, so yeah. brands will be able to use Amazon data to target ads in the Amazon advertising network. Okay. Um, and so that will extend their reach beyond Amazon owned and operated uh, to other networks. And then, of course, they have, you know, Amazon owned and operated isn't just Amazon.com. You've got, you know, IMDb and other products that they own. And then increasingly, you know, with things like Twitch is a huge <laughs> untapped opportunity there for Amazon. Um, and then you've also got, you know, as they get into Fire and uh, Amazon Prime, you know, yeah. there's to see what they do with video and, and in that space is, will be pretty interesting. Yeah, but I, I think the one thing we should touch on is you just mentioned voice because uh, voice and search, there's a challenge there because people start simply speaking what they're looking for. It's, it's, it's a whole different thing for having te- people typing search terms. How's that going to impact this space? So I've been struggling with that for a long time because the voice interface is inherently slow. You know, you can search for something and you look at the screen and you scan a long list of results. And you see voice is becoming an increasing percentage of the queries. One thing to keep in mind is that a lot of those queries are just going to a screen. So you're using voice to search on your okay. your phone, but you're still seeing the traditional ads, you know, on your phone. It's almost like just dictating. It's just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what that's doing is lengthening the query string. So people are searching longer terms because uh-huh. it's not... You know, they end, you end up saying something a lot longer than you type into your phone, <laughs> um, but it doesn't inherently change. You know what the the nature of that advertising looks like okay. in the voice interface world. So if you're talking to Alexa or you're talking to your Google Home, you know going back and forth and having it read you a list of results is kind of a painful experience. Yeah. And what you have to realize is with Amazon, they don't necessarily have to put an ad there. What they want to capture is that transaction. So as long as you're in the world where you're buying something, yeah. I actually don't think you're going to see a ton of advertising. Amazon just is going to you know, focus on the user experience, whatever that top result is. And there's a lot of factors that go into that top result. Yeah. Um, that is going to be what's going to, you know, what you're going to be served, and then Amazon's going to take their, their commission on that. And you see Google 
going a similar, taking a similar approach as they push more with their shopping actions capability. So Google is partnering to compete with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Google is partnering with local merchants to try and you know, take what people start on Google and help them fulfill and complete that transaction. I see. And so you know they'll be working with Target or other brands like they have with Google Shopping, and they'll try and make that conversion experience as seamless as possible. So you you know see the product, you check out all within Google, and then it gets delivered to you with with Google Express, um, and that will enable. Google to not necessarily have an ad product, or at least not a you know click or impression based ad product. It'll be a commission driven one. Uh, so again, yeah. they'll be getting a slice of that revenue yeah. because that transaction happened and they were involved in the in the process. And so you know that that works well for areas where you've got you know something to buy. Um, there's plenty of other verticals. I think it's early days to see what the the ad formats look like in those. You know, will there yeah. be a, a it may pay, you know, if you ask a question, they may have, you know, one or two organic options and then a, a third paid one that comes in, something like that. I, I don't think we've seen exactly how that's going to play out yet. Okay, it's going to be interesting. One of the, uh, the wrinkles is that when it comes to, like, ordinary everyday household purchases, with Amazon, you might actually be buying an Amazon product. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, Amazon is incredibly scary for brands, um, and that's one of the things that we talked about in, in our survey is, is you know, how people look at it. Is it something, is Amazon an opportunity for growth for you? Is it a necessary evil, or you know, does it not really affect your business? And um, the, you know, there's plenty who see it as the, the necessary evil camp, and I think with their Amazon basic strategy, yeah. you know, they come in, uh, they're stealing your. That's probably not the the word they want me using. But um, they're you know they're they have the relationship with the customer, and then they have the opportunity to use the data to say, oh, actually, we should offer you know Amazon Basics on batteries. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. right now uh, Amazon, the Amazon brand batteries are the top selling uh, battery online, right. and so you know people are are company they built the brand equity, and I'm a loyal Amazon customer and I think they provide a great great service and so I trust their their brands and increasingly you know see myself buying Amazon branded stuff so it's it's definitely a real threat for for brands and you know the, the voice interaction hey reorder me toilet yeah. paper you know Just it's going to it's going to diminish diminish the importance of of those brands it's it's kind of a scary proposition for uh, for brands Okay, we'll finish off by giving people something to worry about. (laughs) Wes, it's a great overview of the space. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, good to be here. Thank you.